What's up, sports people? Jamoke Davis here for Just for Sport. I know I normally have this show on Monday, but we're coming out on Tuesday with an episode that we're focusing all on the NFL draft with my special guest, Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. He's a friend of the show, and we are going to be talking to him about uh, how much he enjoyed the draft, how many picks he got right, the best and worst draft picks, any steals he saw, maybe, a, you know, a player that dropped that he was surprised that, you know, fell into their lap, and his thoughts on, because he is a Bears fan, Justin Fields and what that means for Chicago getting a new quarterback. So joining me now is Matt Fortuna of The Athletic. Hey, Matt, how you doing? Doing great, buddy. How are you? Good. Um... You know, I really enjoyed the draft. I'm glad that we can now talk after the draft instead of before where it's all about, you know, prognostications and where you think this player is going to go in mock drafts. Now we can actually do a little bit of both. We can talk about how good or bad our picks were, but also talk about the actual draft. How much did you enjoy the draft in general especially when you think of all of these college players that you, as a national college football writer, you've been following their careers and seeing them take that next step. I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, last year was one of a kind. 2020 was a year like no, no other. Uh, we'll never get Roger Goodell announcing the picks from his basement again with digital fans booing him in his own house. That was fun, and it was different. It was unique. Uh, but, but this felt very good to kind of get back to normal, uh, you know, to, to have it in a city with passionate fans like they are in Cleveland to see the way they brave the rainy night on Thursday. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a great celebration of the game, the college game, the pro game, you name it, and really the city of Cleveland. It was very refreshing to, to sit back and watch that unfold. Now, I enjoy seeing the players at home. I, I just think them being in a natural element with their family. I get players wanting to go on the stage and shake Roger Goodell's hand, but I feel like, you know, I've come to like this draft being kind of a little more virtual. Where do you fall on that fence? I like the guys being there in person. I think we'll see an attendance like no other next year when it's in Vegas because there will be no shortage of spots for these guys to celebrate their new millions on the strip after they hear their name called. Uh, but, but I think it's a TV show first and foremost, and it's a better TV product when you have the players on the stage shaking the commissioner's hand, holding up the new jerseys, taking selfies with fans, and you name it. I understand the intimate nature of, of wanting to stay at home and celebrate with your family, but and I understand the possible fear, right, of not hearing your name called or being the last one hearing your name called in that green room. We all remember Eric Rodgers about 15 years ago in that situation, but um, I, I like seeing these guys uh, with the commissioner on set, and I like seeing the way they dress up. I know it can be over the top sometimes, but anytime you can find a way to, to wear a PlayStation 2 controller as a necklace the way our friend Patrick Chutan did, uh, I think that's very impressive. Now, okay, that they, they are it is really impressive. I like the outfits. That part of it I do enjoy. But you brought up something. I'm going to pivot a little bit in my question because I just wanted in general to find out how do you prep? You know, looking at the college players that you've been paying attention to when you're trying to come up with a mock draft and you know where you think they're gonna they're gonna go, and I know you have a big focus on the Notre Dame players players with your Shamrock podcast. But you brought up Aaron Rodgers. How much of a bombshell was that on on the first day of the draft for him to say he wants to get traded? Did that throw your prep out of the window? What were you thinking when that happened? <laughs> Lining things up. That's the 
college liaison on the Athletics Live blog throughout the weekend. So I was on full draft duty, and you know we're, we're answering pre-draft questions, we're answering in-draft questions, and uh, anytime the reigning MVP makes it public that he wants to trade from his franchise, a franchise that went 13 and three a year ago, that's going to change things. Uh, certainly, you're going to have people calling up the Packers and engaging their interest and, and seeing what could be out there and, and the domino effect of that with, with the way things move throughout the draft definitely adds uh, some spice to it for sure. It, it was just wild. I couldn't believe it. Of course, I want. I was thinking that you know how many teams actually called to try to make a draft a trade. Um, but even with that being said, how many picks did you get right before the draft went haywire? And you're like, I, I don't know what's going on anymore. Two. Two. The 49ers <laughs> had us all fooled. Um, <laughs> I thought, like everyone else, they were going to draft Mac Jones. Turns out Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch move in silence a lot better than, than some of their peers do and, and had Trey Lance picked all along, which uh, will be interesting. I mean, I think Trey Lance was great when we saw him play, but he played one year at the FCS level, and it was over a year ago now. So that's a big gamble to, to trade up to draft that player, especially when you already had the quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. But if anyone could get the most out of their QBs, it's definitely that routine. Is there a team, and I agree with you on that, San Francisco, they, they did a wonderful job of deflecting and making people not not quite sure of what they were going to do. Was there a team that you thought really uh, impressed you and did well in the draft yeah you know the the hometown cleveland browns i thought really showed out this draft i mean they're coming off a great season where they they made the playoffs and won a game in pittsburgh but greg newsom at 26 i think is a steal i know it's a local flavor from here he's a chicago guy who played at northwestern but but he's an awesome quarterback who's going to be going into a great system and and have the time to to, to learn and not um be overused or rushed or or put into action too early jeremiah uso karamoa at 52 i think is a steal uh, Tony Fields, a linebacker from West Virginia, along with Richard LeCount, the safety from Georgia, who they got in both in rounds five. I, I just thought Cleveland did a tremendous job of building up that defense and, and setting that roster up to potentially make a really deep playoff run here in 2021. Wow, the Cleveland Browns, who, <laughs> whoa, who, who knew? I didn't expect you to say that team, but, you know, that is cool. To, and, and obviously you went deep into the draft. Um, what team do you think had the worst day? It's hard to say who had the worst because these guys obviously know more than we do, which is why they are doing the picking or analyzing the picking. Uh, but but I am a little skeptical of Dallas going all defense with its first five or six picks there, first six picks. I mean, I, I just thought that was maybe an overcorrection. Uh, it's not like they were all that great on either side of the ball last year, and I, I, I'm just always kind of curious who's really making the decisions in that room because we've heard stories in the past about Jerry Jones having to be talked out of drafting Johnny Manziel and this and that. So, uh, look, they got it right with Zeke Elliott a few years ago. They got it right with Dak Prescott a few years ago. We'll see if they get it right going pretty much all defense for the first four rounds here. But um, it it definitely raised my eyebrows as it happened in real time. Uh, Yeah, it it did for me too. Um, When you, you mentioned about players dropping and there was a lot of talk about uh, Jeremiah Owusu that you just never expected him to fall where he did and you brought him up as well. Do you think it really had to deal deal with his heart? I think that's the only explanation. I mean, you know, just, just covering him the way I did and seeing him play, 
As the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, he won the Buckus Award as the best linebacker in the country. He's not the biggest guy in the world for that position. I get that. He's only about 220-something pounds, but that guy's a football player. He has an act for the football. He has a great, infectious attitude. Anyone who watched Notre Dame play and watched the way he riled those guys up, both on the field and on the sideline, I think he'd attest to that. Uh, so I'm very surprised that he fell the way he did, but, you know, when Adam Schefter tweets what he did about a, a red flag with a heart issue, that at least makes some sense, but hopefully for his sake, hopefully for Cleveland's sake, uh, that, that was a false alarm, and he'll be able to get back to the business of playing football. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, yes, that's how you yep. say it? It's, <laughs> it's, it's J-O-K. J-O-K, and again, another player that Cleveland took. Um, Let's go to your Chicago Bears drafting Justin Fields. How excited are you for the future of Chicago, and what does that mean for Mitch Trubisky? Do you think that Chicago makes the playoffs next year with a rookie, or do you think maybe you sit him and let him kind of grow into the role uh, you know, maybe in 2022 is his debut. Yeah, well, Andy Dalton, you guys, not a Excuse me. Uh, sorry, Andy Dalton, Dalton. Yes. It's okay. It's, they've had so many, it's easy to get these. Yeah. Up. <laughs> and that's why there's so much excitement around this thing, right? Trading up to get Justin Fields. Look, I love Justin Fields in college. I thought he was the second best quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I was surprised to see his draft stock fall the way it did, but I think the Bears really got a steal there. And, Frankly, if you're this regime, if you're Ryan Pace, the general manager, if you're Matt Nagy, the head coach, and pretty much everyone in the city wanted you fired after last season, and you've already survived a gamble that completely came back to bite you in trading up to draft Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes a few years ago, you have nothing to lose by making this deal. You take another big swing because you're given the opportunity to take another big swing. And if it works, you guys are going to have a parade thrown for you around Chicago, and everyone's going to forget the fact that you drafted Mitch Trubisky four years ago. So uh, I, I love the pick for that reason. I love the pick because I think very highly of Justin Fields as a football player. Uh, and the other part of it, too, is you know, I hate to think and say it in this terms, but this is the way the NFL operates. You, know, you do have Andy Dalton there. I know he's not, he didn't exactly move the needle nationally when you signed him to be your starter, but you can start him. You can slow Justin Fields into this thing and not rush him before he is ready. And by doing that, you're also buying yourself a much longer leash as a regime because uh, the longer Justin Fields goes without playing bad, for lack of a better term, the longer you're going to have your job because you can sell the future, the fan base on the future of brighter days ahead with this potential franchise quarterback. And I agree with that also when I think about Aaron Rodgers being behind Brett Favre, uh, Alex Smith still playing when he knew Patrick Mahomes was right there waiting. I feel like more starting quarterbacks who are rookies don't do as well when they're thrown into the fire versus giving an opportunity. Even Tua Tugaviola last year, I felt like, you know, getting those four games or so before he actually was starting may have helped him some. Yes? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree completely. And, you know, we saw this thing will take care of itself, right? I mean, we saw when Trubisky was a rookie and they had signed Mike Lennon. And Mike Lennon got upset that they drafted Mitch Trubisky, but Mike Lennon was brought to do a job and he didn't do that job particularly well. We saw the reverse of that last year. I know it wasn't a rookie, but benching Mitch Trubisky for Nick Foles didn't really have the intended effect. So if anyone can figure out a way to bungle this, unfortunately, based on their history, it's the Chicago Bears. But I do like the fact that you have a veteran who will probably be well-respected throughout the locker room, who has been through a lot of big games, 
and who knows what he was brought in to do. And you have a guy who's a, a rookie who uh, may not be ready for, to go for week one, but, but is certainly going to push Andy Dalton for that job at some point this season. And, and we've talked a lot about the NFL and the players that were taken. Um, do you think Jacksonville makes the playoffs next year with Trevor Lawrence? Do you think his game translates not just well enough to play in the NFL, but to elevate a team like Jacksonville to, you know, make the playoffs, maybe a wild card? I mean, last year they finished the season 1-15, so it would be probably the biggest turnaround if they can finish the season 9-7 and seven and, and get in at least as a wild card. But do you think they realistically could do that? You know, the fact we're even having this discussion, seriously, shows you what a crazy prospect Trevor Lawrence is. Everyone has said he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, so you got to go back to that Colts team to, to make some form of comparison. And that Colts team went from a one-win team to a playoff team in Andrew Luck's rookie year. So mm-hmm. I, I understand the excitement around Trevor Lawrence. That said, yeah, I think Vegas has the over-under at 6.5, 7.5. I'd say they could maybe win seven or eight games this year. I'm not ready to put them in the playoff discussion just yet. You look at that division. The Colts are probably going to be better, assuming Carson Wentz gets his stuff together and, and is able to run that offense fine. The Titans are a back-to-back playoff team. That's two teams right there that are in your way. Houston historically has been in their way as well. No idea what's going to happen there with all the turmoil on and off the field with that organization throughout this past year. But uh, for, to pick the Jags to make the playoffs in year one, it's not just counting on Trevor Lawrence to be a, a surefire superstar, which I think he will be. Uh, it's also counting on a, a new head coach, Urban Meyer, who's never coached at the pro level before, to really have his stuff together and to be able to manage the ins and outs, uh, the day-to-day of running a pro franchise. And, look, the guy's obviously a, a Hall of Fame-level college coach. He won three national titles. He also lost only nine games throughout mm-hmm. his time at Ohio State. And I'm pre- I don't think I'm, I'm exaggerating when I say each one of those nine losses probably took a year off his life. He does not handle losing well. Yeah. You have to handle losing well when you get to the NFL and when you get to a franchise that won just one game last year. So I, I, I'm not ready to put them in the playoff discussion just yet, but I do think they'll win about seven games. What's on tap for you next with college football? And by the way, I should have said, I, I, I'm predicting 8-8. Eight and eight. That's my prediction for Jacksonville. <laughs> um, but what's on tap for you next with college football? Uh, you know, probably, you know, you go to, you look at any player on Alabama and you could almost peg, especially the way this NFL draft went, that you're potentially looking at a, uh, you know, NFL caliber player. But just across the landscape of college football, what's next for you? I mean, that 2017 Alabama recruiting class has now had eight first round draft picks, four yeah. last year, four this year. It's the amazing. Last three quarterbacks, uh, two of them were first rounders, two of Tagovailoa and Max Jones. The other one, Jalen Hurts, was a second-rounder who's an NFL starter after mm-hmm. his first year with Philadelphia. So, yeah, Alabama is just a machine right now. And, it, 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 you know, if you're you're wearing that crimson jersey, there's a better chance than not you're going to be high in the NFL draft pick at this point. And that place basically recruits itself. As far as what's next, uh, it's a relatively downtime in the calendar, usually, for college football. A little bit different now because spring football is back and it's wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Buffalo has a head coaching search right now after they lost Lance Leifold to Kansas. I'll be going out to Arizona tomorrow for, for some meetings with coaches and athletic directors, and uh, most of the conferences will have their spring meetings throughout the course of May. I believe those are all going to be virtual, so I won't get any uh, face-to-face, person-to-person interaction with those guys. But th- th- this is when 
we really start to see what's going to happen in the future of the sport, particularly with the playoff. They put out there a few weeks ago that expansion is on the table. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that becomes finalized at some point this summer. Uh, so, so that's probably the biggest story in college football to monitor, at least during this offseason. And as I mentioned earlier, you do the podcast, The Shamrock. Uh, how disappointed are you, lastly, with Notre Dame showing in the draft? And just overall, what that means for the program? Disappointed? They my guys pick. They were second behind Alabama, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like the hype, the mystique of, of Notre Dame isn't the same. I mean, they didn't have one player taken in the first round. There is no... They just It just doesn't have the same kind of hype that I feel like Notre Dame used to have in the past. Yeah, I'm sitting there watching that draft, and I see Alabama get six first-round picks, and I'm thinking, my God, how did Notre Dame ever hang with this team? They yeah, yeah. And when all of a sudden, done, Alabama, I think, just had one more pick than Notre Dame. So I think that's a testament to the player development component of Notre Dame's coaching staff. They may not be recruiting at Alabama's level, but, but they're certainly developing guys. I mean, they became the first program – in, I think, 20 years to have three offensive linemen drafted among the first three rounds. So that's coming on the heels of having two top 10 offensive linemen draft picks in 2018 with Quinn Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. So they know what they're doing in the trenches. They know what they're doing at tight ends. Every Brian Kelly opening day tight end starter mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. been drafted so far. The best one he has of all of them is on the roster right now, Michael Bayer. So I, I think they'll be just fine. you got to recruit a little bit better to have a chance when you get in these games with Alabama and Clemson. But I thought it was a strong draft showing for them. i got to ask you, as a Pittsburgh guy, Pittsburgh loved the ACC with six draft picks, and they go 500 every year. How does that make you feel? Listen, <laughs> I am always rooting for my alma mater in the University of Pittsburgh, but I always feel like, yes, unfortunately over the years, there never seems to be a shortage of, of individual talent on the team, but that they can never put it together as a team on the field in college football. And I agree with you on that, because when I think of like Notre Dame, I guess in my mind it is more that there are no sexy picks from Notre Dame. And for me this year, there were no sexy picks from Pittsburgh that put us in the the headlines that, you know, people are talking about a specific player. I mean, Tommy Trimble is probably the most recognizable player on Notre Dame that went in the draft. And I don't even know if I asked people outside of Pittsburgh if they could name one player that was taken from the University of Pittsburgh in the 2021 draft that they would probably say, I have no idea who from the University of Pittsburgh even got into the NFL? Sounds about right. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I mean, I, the, the after the facts uh, posting of, of how many people he put in the NFL, I get that from a recruiting standpoint. It shows you can develop, recruit, and put guys at the next level, but um, that has to make you disappointed. It would make me disappointed as a fan to see them not doing more with the amount of talent that's in that room. Yeah, I mean, you know, more power to Patrick Jones the second. The first, the third round pick, um, 90th pick in the draft was the first pit player taken. And it's like, okay, we'll, we'll keep moving on. And I, obviously, I want to see this program do well. And the second school that I always have had in my heart is Notre Dame. So both schools, I hope, can, you know, turn it around. I'd love to see them competing for the national championship, uh, which 
on a regular basis. I understand that Notre Dame very much so more recently is competing for the national championship, but that, you know, every year I'd like to see both teams do well. So we'll see how it goes. Look at that. Pittsburgh and Notre Dame playing nice. We've seen it all. We'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Jay. Take care. You too. Bye. Matt Fortuna joining us on Just for Sport. Hope you enjoyed him talking about uh, college football. He is the national college football writer for The Athletic. We wish him the best. Uh, as he mentions, he gets a little bit of a break heading out to warmer weathers in Arizona and meeting with uh, coaches and, and school administrators. Actually, I know that uh, Northwestern got a new AD, so maybe he'll be talking to him as well. Um, but he wish him the best, and make sure you listen to Matt on his podcast, The Shamrock, as they talk about everything Notre Dame. I love the Fighting Irish, but I love my Pitt Panthers a little bit more. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We'll have another one on Thursday. I know, we normally have one Monday. We had a Tuesday show, but I had to work with Matt's schedule, and I really appreciate him giving me some time there. Uh, everybody, enjoy the rest of your week. New podcast coming out on Thursday. Ciao for now.